Dear Diary, today I took the first step, the first step in becoming an ADHD coach. I can't actually quite believe it. I want to learn, grow and build something extraordinary. I think this journey will be... Shh, the Indigo Diaries. Dear Diary, welcome world to the Indigo Diaries and welcome to our exciting new series, Series 2 the world through a trainee coach's eyes. And that coach in training is me, Tasha Hicklin. The Indigo Diaries is a podcast for those who want to learn about ADHD through other people's experiences. Wow, welcome back everyone. Um, if I just have to apologize now. If you hear thunderstorm, I can't get rid of that because that's going out outside right now. And I thought about, shall I? try and do it later but I'm trying not to be perfectionist so if you hear thunderstorm that's just where I am I live in Malaysia it is very tropical so this week has been a bit more structured and probably one of the most normally structured weeks if that's even possible in a long time and it's been pretty nice I actually really really enjoyed it I love structure probably the opposite of most people that you know I really love structure and this makes me very happy so today is kind of the last week of this part of the course and um, I actually finished last week. Yay, I'm so proud that I actually made it to the end of the first part of the three-part course and um, I was very proud of myself, very proud moment and um, it's really important celebrating these little kind of wins but it's a big win celebrating these because they become something like a knowing that gives you evidence for things in the future so it's really important and I had a nice meal and we celebrated uh me and my partner so that was really great but because I'm a week behind with this uh we're this is also a bit of a week behind and that's okay it's okay to be a bit behind as long as you get there in the end it doesn't really matter how long it takes you so this week um is about ADHD across the ages and the treatment of ADHD. So ADHD across the ages is the first part of today. I have to warn you, this is quite a heavy part. And I don't mean emotionally heavy or triggering heavy. I mean, heavy with knowledge. I, I saw this part of the course. I saw this session and I was like, oh, my goodness. Overwhelm came in my head. I was like, oh my goodness, so much technical terminology and so much information. It was probably one of the biggest sections for me. And I was like, oh my God, overwhelmed. I can't do this. I can't, this is more like science. This, I know, I can't do this. I won't understand, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, okay, take it page by page and then explain it to yourself because I'm a verbal processor. Hello, this, this, uh, this, this season. So, and then... I was fixated because it was so interesting. It's so interesting. We talked about interest last week. It's so funny when interest is really there. And you, in your mind, you create these stories of like, oh, I can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. And then when it, the interest is there, it's like, yes, I can. And it's like a whole different dimension. I was in my absolute element. Yeah, the, the terminology is hard for me. But when I started to learn about it, I was fixated. And I actually couldn't believe that I was fixated upon this part. So what does aging mean? Okay. Across the ages. Yeah. So we age. And what happens to our brain? And then what does that have to do with ADHD? 
And that's what we're going to kind of explore today. And this is, I just have to say that this is only from like this point of view. There might be other studies that you may have seen, but I'm just going to tell you what I learned and then kind of come with my opinion on this. So the changes in the brain over aging are related to the various and inconsistent symptoms experienced in ADHD. Okay. So the, the brain always changes. It's always constantly changing. They say that when you get to like 18, your brain's fully developed. No, it changes. This is why it's why people always say, oh my goodness, my, my symptoms of ADHD or challenges, however you look at it, it's different. It varies. It's inconsistent because your brain is constantly changing. Your neurochemistry is constantly changing depending on mood, depending on experience, depending on environment, depending on how much neurochemistry, depending on nutrition, depending on everything. It is always changing. And that is called neuroplasticity. And it means that your brain can constantly change. And it's a bit like a game of like Minecraft. You build something, but it doesn't stay like that. You can rebuild it. You can take a part off and rebuild that. You can put more on top. You can change the shape. That's what your brain's like. When you're exposed to different things and when you have different mindsets and lots of many different things, it changes. And that's good neuroplasticity. It's like re-architecting your brain. And so I'm going to break that down. So when we start off as an infant, I couldn't believe this. So by the time you're age two, 80% of your brain is fully developed and that's called synaptic blooming. Okay, synaptic blooming. And that's when all the neurons in your brain collect information and multiply. Okay, so your brain basically gets bigger. So I'm going to think of it like Lego. Okay, so your brain is full of lots of different Legos. Okay, and your brain needs to connect to the right Legos. Okay, and it needs to send messages through the different pieces of Lego. And all it happens is your mom buys you more and more and more Lego. And that's what happens when you're coming to the age two. You just get more and more and more Lego in your brain. Okay. And it becomes 80% of it fully size. And then when you get to a teenager and you go through uh, hormones and all these things and you go through puberty, this is called synaptic pruning. Okay. Basically, what happens? You've got all these things in your brain. You've got all these bits of Lego and it needs to sort it. So they kind of use this time. We're going to use it or we're going to lose it. So let's say you've got the red Legos. Are you going to use the red Legos or are you going to get rid of them? I want to keep the red green Legos. So my brain's going to keep all the green Legos and get rid of the red Legos. It's going to keep all the yellow ones, but get rid of the purple ones. And it uses and it eliminates the weaker synaptic and neuro connections. It gets rid of them. Okay. It gets rid of all those things that it doesn't need and it doesn't need to use. All the weaker things. It eliminates all those processes, all those things it gets rid of. And then your brain is almost there. And then you think, right, I'm fully developed. No. I actually, this, this bit was the most interesting for me because this is my age. Your late 20s to early 40s is when your prefrontal cortex, so we talked about executive functions a few weeks ago, 
and your executive functions fully developed. And the, the end of your 20s to early 30s is where you are at your full performance peak because you've got 80% of your brain when you're a child. When you're a teenager, it gets rid of the old stuff, gets rid of the old Lego and keeps the ones that you want and it needs. And then your late 20s, it makes shape and it has all the parts that it needs. That is when you're at your prime. That's when your Lego, you're like, yes, I've got all the Lego I need now to build my castle, build my house, build everything. I've eliminated the old ones and I've got it here now. And I really like, I didn't really realize that. Um, they use this terminology called sleeping beauty. And it's like waking up like, hello, I'm here. And that's when I really felt, I actually feel like my brain right now is at its full capacity. And I didn't really, I thought that was just because, I don't know, I got diagnosed with ADHD, but it's not. It's because my executive functions are fully developed and I'm at my peak because I'm in my late 20s. And it gave me validation of like, oh my goodness, because it felt like last year I woke up in lockdown and it was like, right, come on, let's get, let's get your life moving. I didn't realize that that's actually like a developmental process that everybody goes through. So they ask the question, what is neuroplasticity? And it's basically your brain, your Lego changing at all the times, re-articulating, re-doing your brain. And that's all it is. And you may hear a cat meowing, and I do apologize. That is, yes, that is my new kitten. Uh, she's trying to get in this room. So I do apologize for that as well. So I was like, wow, that gave me so much validation, understanding. And then they talked about this three differences between an ADHD brain and a neurotypical brain. So a neurotypical brain is a brain that is, doesn't basically have ADHD. So your brain has three different types, okay? Three differences between ADHD and neurotypical brains. So basically, number one is the chemistry, your brain, actual chemistry. Okay. So we talked about earlier about your brain being a network of messengers, being lots of different Legos that need to go from one thing to another to another. And they're called neurons. Okay. Neurons have lots of different things, but a gap between a neuron is a, a, a synapsis. Okay. A synapsis is the thing that comes in between your brain. And that's filled with neurotransmitters and chemicals. And I just realized that I actually just said that wrong. It's a synapse. Me and my partner had a, a, had a, a heated discussion about this the other day because I always pronounce things wrong. That was a dyslexia moment. I apologize. You synapse. And basically, the gap between a neuron is a synapse. And the thing that pulls them together. So if you think about Lego, if you've got one piece and one piece, it's the thing that connects them. What connects them? It's that thing at the bottom, that that the little like three or two dots that connects the Lego. And that's what basically what a synapse is. It connects those two parts, okay? And that's filled with neurotransmitters or chemicals, okay? And the key one that we most people will know for ADHD is dopamine, okay? Um, basically, ADHD is dysregulation of the dopamine reward system. But that's another time and another place. And another big one is noradrenaline, okay? 
we either usually have too little dopamine or it's not used right. And that's not our fault. That's our brain chemistry. And learning about that was just incredible. Like I was like, oh my goodness. I knew it was a dopamine imbalance. and But I didn't understand that things that connect the Lego or however you see it, the things that connect the neurons is the dopamine. And that's why it explains so much about me and everything. And I just want to share that. The next one is ADHD brains can be structured differently. Okay. There was a study where some parts of the brain are found to be smaller in an ADHD compared to a neurotypical brain. Okay. So that's things like um, your amygdala, which is your emotions, where your, uh, your dopamine reward system and different parts of your brain that we use every day that especially ones that affect your executive functions and they are smaller apparently and there was a, quite a few studies about that and i've never heard that one before but that's uh that was a huge one i'll talk about how i felt about that after the last one is the adhd brain and the neurotypical brain function differently and the big thing is your dmn and tpn so if you don't know what that is dmn is default mode network and TPN is task positive network. Okay. Your DMN is your resty, dreamy memories when you just, ah, oh, rumination. You're not quite there. You're just dreamy, resting. It's usually on when you're asleep. Your task positive network is your tasks. You're adjusting our attention to do things. You need that basically to do tasks. Okay, it's the thing that gets you going. Okay, all brains use your DMN and all brains have a TPM. However, I see it like a scale, like a weighing scale. Okay, all brains have a DMN on one side and a TPM. However, when it's time to turn the DMN down, so on the weighing scale, turn it down off, your TP, most brains turn the TP straight on automatically. So it's kind of like DMN, go down, take the weight off. TPN, it rises up. I've actually got my hands up and down right now to help me explain this. However, and the DMN quietens down, it goes, shh, time to go sleep. And the TPN rises. However, the ADHD brain doesn't just do that natural shift. It takes a lot to do that shift. And the DMN stays active even when the TPN's on. So if the TPN adjusts our attention, adjusts our executive functions, gets us going, and everybody else is here, can just turn the TPN and the DMN shuts off, stays active but quiet. But ours doesn't do that. It's not our fault. I never said it was our fault anyway. But just think about that. How different that works the functions, then the chemistry, and maybe even the structure of our brains. And what helps, they said, to switch between the DMN and TPM with people with ADHD is mindfulness. And we'll talk a lot more about that later. And then they said, how does all this make you feel and change your perspective or awareness? And I was like, whoa, okay, I, I, I don't know. And it took me a few days to really sit on it and I put all of this information up on my whiteboard and it took me a few days. And I was like, 
for me, some people said it didn't help them. Some people might not think that might make them feel sad and stuff because saying that your brain is different from everybody else's and it might be smaller and it might be this and it might be that. But, but in my opinion, it gave me validation that my brain is structured differently. Doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just neurodiverse. And it gave me proof yet again, evidence, black and white proof that it is not my fault. It is not my fault that my brain can't shift from the TPN to the DMN. I just have to do some mindfulness and be present and be conscious. But we'll talk about that next week. Things like this. To help it, I have to work harder. It's not my fault that my my neurons don't connect as easily, that the dopamine is not there. It's too little and it's not used effectively. It's not my fault. And it actually gives me proof to when people say, oh, ADHD, blah, blah, blah. It gives me proof to go, wait a minute, not ADHD, blah, blah, blah. This is what ADHD is a root cause of this in their brain. It is not the individual's fault that they can't turn on their attention and focus. It is not their fault that they can't sit down. It is not their fault. Their brain is structured in a different way. And that is okay. Science speaks volumes. And there's your science people. But remember, if I said synapsis, it's actually synapse (laughs) dyslexia moment I do apologize and yeah so that's one there the one after this is about treatment and I hope you come back and you come back and verbal process with me and let's have a break oh yes break 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 and we're out If you would like any information on Indigo's support group, check out the website below for our link to our Facebook page or email at indigo.adhd2020 at gmail.com. If you would like to offer any comments or feedback or if you are interested in the world hearing your story, then please reach out either through the group or through our email. I said before, have a good week. Check in again later, Indigos. Shh, the Indigo Diary. And we're back. And if you have just joined us, then welcome. Uh, If you are still here, then my brain conversation and my scientific knowledge must have not been that bad. And my pronunciation must not have put you off if you're still here. And I'm here. I'm still here. And the calmness outside is a little bit better. My cat's a bit happier now, giving her a treat. And the weather is a bit better. So hopefully we should have better sound now. So this this part of the, uh, the chat is about treatment, treatment plans for ADHD. And I'm not saying that ADHD needs to be treated or you need treatment to fix you it's not like that but it's about treatment that is available 
to help people with ADHD manage who they are and see their strengths. And that's what I'm all about. And that's what coaching is all about. But we'll get to that another time. So the most effective approach to ADHD or to be honest, to anything is multimodal. So what do I mean by multimodal? Multimodal doesn't mean just one thing. It means things from different angles. It means different parts, different modals. So it could be counseling this, 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 and this. And you put them together to fix them together to help that individual. Okay? And you can use different things. Some things may work. There's no one size fits all. Some things work for some people. Some things don't work for other people. Some people like this. Some people like that. Okay? I... I've tried quite a lot of things. Some things I felt were were great and some things not, and I'll share that later. But this includes, it's mainly in these five areas, which is medical and medication. No, that's number one. Then psychosocial treatment, which is things like um, therapy, and, and we'll go into that. Alternative treatments, okay? That's not medical or psychosocial. Complementary interventions and inconclusive. Okay, and we're going to look at those. So we'll go with number one. So the most common is medication, obviously, as basically it's the most scientific thing that works for ADHD. It's the most scientific proven thing so that works for ADHD. However, it's a very controversial topic, which I'm not going to go into. There are many for and there are many against. I'm very in the middle. If it works for you, it works for you. If it doesn't, it doesn't. However, I do understand that a lot of doctors go straight for this and they don't look at the different multimodal. They go straight for, oh, you've got ADHD, go on this. You've got this, go on this. You've got this, go on this. I don't really go underline. They don't really teach you how to cope with everything. They just put you on medication. Oh, that'll fix it. No, that doesn't fix it. Well, nothing fixes it. You don't, we don't need to fix it. But they just constantly put you on medication. And I know a lot of doctors do that and a lot of people, but then because of that, a lot of people are against medication and there's a lot of controversial things against. But medication, if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, great, okay? Multimodal. And then the complementary, okay, is the focus on ADHD coaching, life coaching, mindfulness, exercise, diet, self-care, you know, things like this, okay? Psychosocial treatment, which was number two, is things like CBT therapy, therapy, you know, things like this, okay? And then inconclusive, I'm not really going to go into. That's things that are like, have not really been looked into, okay? Not really been looked into that's, yeah. And alternative treatments are things that are not medication or psychosocial. They don't look at your psychosocial play and they don't look at your medical. So that's other things. Okay. But my biggest focus today is on complementary because I think that is a thing that people miss. You know, doctors, medical, and then psychosocial treatment, CBT, DBT, this thing, this and this. We don't really look at the complementary focus. And ADHD coaching fits into, it could fit in the complementary or the alternative treatments, but complementary is what we're going for. And ADHD coaching really has three parts, and that's the ADHD education, the skills that it teaches you for ADHD, and then the life coaching, not just your ADHD, the coaching around your life. 
And another ones he gave was mindfulness, exercise, diet, sleep, self-care, herbs, education on whatever you have. And for me, I went straight to that. I looked at that and was like, yes, yes, yes. There are so many elements and multimodal is such a great thing. Because not one size fits all. Not one thing is going to help you. It has to be every aspect of your life because ADHD plays part in every single day of every single moment. It's not all of us. It's part of us. But it plays a huge part. And that's why I think my personal opinion is multimodal approach is the golden ticket to really live in the life you want. And, you know, a lot of people have high opinions about what is right, what's wrong, what you should do. And I'll kind of tell you about how I felt about that. They said, what is your opinion about multimodal treatment? I kind of just already voiced it. I think it's the best thing in the the best thing possible. I think that just looking at one aspect is you'd really lose out on not looking at everything that you could possibly do. If you're not ready for anything, then that's fine. That's where you are on your journey. But looking at every part and what you could actually get to benefit you is so beneficial. And they were saying that adults don't really use multimodal. A lot just go for one aspect and it's more for children I think multimodal could help everybody. And I don't just mean people with ADHD, with any condition. To really benefit your life, looking at every part of your life and thinking, how can you get the best out of this? So I'm all for it. Thumbs up here. Then they say, what have you tried that's found successful and not? So I've probably tried all five of these things. I'm going to start with medical medication. When I was diagnosed, I went into kind of like a denial process, but we'll go into the uh, kind of the grief process and the change process next time. And I was kind of moving house, moving countries, moving jobs. I just didn't have time to think about it. When we came in lockdown, I started other things, other treatments and I didn't want it to change me. I'd heard a lot of things online and I was embarrassed. I'm going to just admit online right now. I was embarrassed to go on medication because I'd heard so many bad things about it. I'd heard great things about it. But for me, the negative outweighed the positive. And it was just like, don't go on it because of this. You shouldn't go on it. Be careful. Oh my goodness, be careful. And it actually put a barrier in my own opinion about medication. And it came one day and I and I thought to myself, if there was a medication to help your dyslexia or your dyspraxia, would you do it? Yes. Is there a medication for your asthma? Yes. What about celiac disease? No. What are you doing? Why don't you try it? And I'm a big trier. It's one of my core values is trying things. So you can't, you can't knock it till you try it. And so I, I said, okay. And I was very lucky. Second medication, I went on work and I'm still on it now. And I am proud to say I'm on medication and I'm not, this is not a promotion for medication. I'm a big believer in you do what's right for you. But for me, it helps. But it's not the only thing I do. 
I started coaching, which is an alternative treatment or complementary interventions. And I started coaching uh, with myself about um, almost, oh my goodness, almost a year ago. And if you tell to me, is it medication or treat or coaching that had the biggest impact? It's coaching. Medication calmed my brain down enough to be able to do coaching. But coaching is the biggest and the most impactful thing I've ever done. I do have therapy. I've had it for a few years to do to help me with my anxiety. I used to have therapy when I was younger, which if you've heard my episode in the first series, series one, episode one, um, I talk a lot about that. And that was a big part of my life back then, but I don't need that anymore, but I still have therapy. I also um, do mindfulness meditation, uh, only three minutes, but I like it short and sweet. It really helps me. It focuses me. Exercise. I changed my whole exercise regime. I used to do like, I used to force myself to go to the gym and all this. Now I do 10 sessions a week, but they're 30 minutes. And sometimes two sessions a day, usually in the morning, because I work better in the morning. It helps me with my day. My diet, I already have to have a strict diet because I'm a celiac disease. But I watch what I eat. I watch what I drink. Sleep. I always make sure I get seven to eight hours sleep because if I don't, it doesn't work. But the biggest one for me was self-care. I don't really know what self-care was until last year. I didn't look after myself at all. I didn't put myself first at all. Someone told me once that self-care is selfish. And I think that that's why I didn't look after myself. And self-care for me is more than anything that I have ever done for myself. It's more than my exercise because it is everything. Self-care for me is the basis of multimodal treatment. If you don't do self-care, then your coaching won't go as far because you're not looking after yourself. It's like that thing about your oxygen mask. Put yours on first. You've only got one life in this world. Look after your body. Look after your mind. Look after your well-being. And that starts with self-care. And we'll go on more on this as we get on with the training, but that was a big one that they actually wrote that in there. Self-care. And that is something that we miss in our daily rat race of lives and rat race of minds. We miss the self-care. And I've tried a few things that are not successful for me, like yoga. I got told to do yoga and mindfulness for like an hour. It doesn't work for me. I've tried. You can't knock it till you try it. That's my motto. And I tried it. It doesn't work for me. I like high intensity level training. My calm down time is sitting with my pets with music on. That's how I do it. I do mindfulness, but it's short, sweet, to the point. That's how I do it. I stretch. That's my yoga. Don't get told what to do. Live your life the way you want. Multimodal, yeah, is the best chance that you can get. But what you choose in that multimodal is your choice and your choice alone. So, yeah. Go online, have a look. I've put a few resources below about medication and alternative treatments because I just think they're very relevant. And... Next week is about what life coaching is, 
what ADHD life coaching is and the change process, the change process that we go through, basically growth. And that will be the next start of my next course. And I'm excited to go on this next journey with you, which is the next part of my course. And I'm very excited to get through that. So before we leave today, I'm going to share a quote with you, as I always do. Knowledge is not power. It is only potential. Applying that knowledge is power. Understanding why and when to apply that knowledge is wisdom. Someone shared that with me, that knowledge is not power, but action is power. And I was like, oh, my goodness, makes so much sense. Learn what you need to, but then put it into place. But give yourself what you need to put that into place. If it's medication, if it's therapy, if it's CBT, if it's herbs, if it's medicine, if it's medication, if it's yoga, if it's exercise, if it's the right diet, the keto diet, anything that you need, you do for you. And I'm going to leave that with that thought. Thank you, everyone, for verbal processing with me today. It really means a lot. If there's one person listening to 20, it really helps me. And I hope that it reaches one person. That's all I ever want. And I hope next week you come back, you come, learn, listen, and experience the world through the eyes of a coach in training. Why not, hey? I hope you have an amazing week. And make sure in that week you've got something there for you. You've got something there that you love and you want to do. We've got one life, people. Do it for you. And we're out. Dear Diary, as the training process goes on, it makes me stop and wonder, could there be more for us? More light, more possibilities, and a place where we can truly be ourselves. I think this journey will be 